bless the Lord, bless the Lord. One of the things my favorite wife was doing, <laughs> you'll catch that on sooner or later, was that she would give me the weather report. So this week she said, <clears throat> when it was, uh, I believe it was 29 degrees here, she says, it's 89 here. I said, wonderful. I really didn't want to hear that. But um, just last night, they, you know, that uh, she was also working at the school besides the orphanage. And uh, at 9.30 in the morning, <coughs> they have breakfast for, <coughs> excuse me, for all the, uh, the kids there at the school. And so she went, she would, have her class with the girls, uh, and by the way, she said the last class she had with both um, classes that she cried and they cried. And so, um, just really trusting the Lord that He has touched their lives and brought healing to them from all the trauma that had they have, uh, you know, been fostered on them. But um, so last night, Brother, Sin, uh, Brother Rodney, Sister Cindy, and, and uh, Sister Glidell went to the, there was, there's a cook and her uh, husband at the school, and they went to their house for, for dinner. And uh, she texted me and, say, and said, uh, Rodney's t uh, talking to them, pray. And so I just, I said, okay, Lord. I just began to pray and said, Lord, open their hearts for whatever Brother Rodney's saying to them. Let them be receptive and come Holy Spirit and just move. And she texted me a little later and said that the husband, the wife, and their daughter accepted the Lord. So blessed be his name. If that's the only thing that happened in this trip, that was worth all the time and effort, but it wasn't. Time and time again, there is that same story that's been uh, girls in uh, Glidell's classes have accepted the Lord. And so just we're thankful for what the Lord has done. Blessed be his name. If you will, please turn uh, to Matthew 22. We'll go back here a little bit and uh, appreciate the worship this morning and the Confirmation. Um, I don't know. There's something about three o'clock in the morning that the Lord loves, because He keeps waking me up there, and He'll add a line to what He's wanting to say. And so, it seems to be um, maybe that's because He knows that I don't have anything else on my mind. And he can get my attention. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, blessed be his name. I appreciate that, even though sometimes I'm only one-eyed. Blessed be his name. Matthew 22, verse 10, out of the New King James. So those servants went out, and they're talking about uh, the king making a marriage supper for his son, this parable. And getting in, in the middle of it, uh, I said, so, uh, so those servants went out into the highway and gathered together <coughs> all they could find, 
that uh, they found, both bad and good, that the wedding hall had be filled with guests. I'm glad our invitation to come to the wedding feast does not depend upon whether we're good. Because all of us came to the Lord being anything but good. Know what I'm talking about? We may have been churchy good, but we were still not his good. There's only one that is good, the word of God tells us, and that's, that's the Lord our, our Savior. He's the only good one that qualifies for the term good. Blessed be his name. Verse 11 of the New Living Translation. And the king having come into view or to behold or look, the Greek says, view attentively, contemplate. Hmm. Have you ever felt like God was viewing you? What is he seeing? Because he's, the word of God also tells us there's nothing hid from him. You can hide it from everybody else, but nothing is hid from him. He knows your innermost thoughts. Amen or oh me. Sometimes it's oh Lord, me. <laughs> Holy one, we bless you. He viewed them and those reclining, he, uh, of those reclining, he saw, he perceived with his eyes. There was a man not clothed with clothing of the marriage feast, which we ta- talked on last week, which was provided for him. He didn't think it was worth his trouble to change his clothes. Even though not changing his co- clothes was an insult to the one who was putting on the feast, the king. Well, there are new clothes provided for us. Are we putting them on? Robes of righteousness. Well, bless your name, O God. Verse 12, And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not? And that's just, uh, it's a different word than the other not. It's a conscious omission. It's an intentional, he intentionally did not put on the clothes, the robes, the wedding garments that were provided for him. It was an intentional decision. God help us not to intentionally ignore what he's provided. God help us. And he asked him, why didn't you put on the garment? And he was speechless. He had no excuse. How many know that when we stand before him, the great white throne judgment, he said, we will be judged for the things we did in the body, whether bad or good. I pray that we're not speechless. 
This is not going to be one of those hallelujah messages again. But the Lord's looking upon us. He says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth. Looking, seeing, observing his children and his non-children. There's no, you know, again, the word of God tells us that men like darkness because their deeds are evil. Silly. The midnight's just as, it's just as wide open as the noonday to him. There is no darkness that he can't see through. He's the original, has the original night vision and doesn't need the goggles for it. Blessed be his name. You know, everything that we're, we think is so brand new, we're just catching up to him. And we're falling far short, by the way, too. Anyway, I digress. Let's continue here. So he neglected to put on the wedding garment. And he was speechless. I trust him within our own lives. Each one of us was, like David says, search me and see if there be any wicked or lawless way in me. See, he can search us now and it won't cost us. Well, it may cost us whatever we're doing. It's not pleasing to him. But we're talking about eternal things here. Eternal things. Let's continue. If, uh, New Testament Theological uh, Dictionary tells us that the word friend is found three times in the New Testament and only in the book of Matthew. Again, I'll remind you that the theme of Matthew was Behold your king. Blessed Lord God. The meaning friend in, in each case uh, with the implication of a distinct relationship in which there is a generosity in one part and an abuse on the other. Matthew 20, uh, 13. This is in the parable of uh, the vineyard and the owner of the vineyard hiring people all day long. And one of the last came and says, but he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no uh, wrong. Does thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine and go thy way. I'll give unto thee this last even as unto thee. Friend. But this last one shows us even a greater relationship. He was, this, that one was, first one was just, he could have not even ever met the king before. And the second one was that he was a, a laborer for the landowner. So there's, that, that term friend is, can be not without having a lot of in relationship. But this last one, which I think really defines the whole thought here, is in Matthew 26. And while he's still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came 
with the chief priests and the elders of the people. Verse 49. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Betrayed him with a kiss. Hmm. Well, Jesus said unto him, Friend, why have you come? And they came and laid hands on, uh, on Jesus and took him. So Jesus obviously had a relationship with the Lord. He was among the, the 12 that he sent out and they healed and preached the gospel to people and came back and said, even the devils are subject to us. So don't be blown away by that. That your name is written down in the book of life. Hmm. So the term friend there, especially with the last one with Judah, does show relationship. And a strong relationship. For three and a half years, Judas, Judas was there with the Lord Jesus and saw all the miracle, saw all that was done, heard the word that was, you know, just would pierce through their, into their, uh, through their souls. My God, friend. Back in first, uh, chapter 22 and verse 13. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Weymouth translation says, The man, the man stood speechless. The king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and fling him into the darkness outside. Uh, there will be weeping aloud and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14. For many are called, many are invited, but few are chosen. Greek word is elect, uh, picked out, invited, elect. One translator say, a few, but few choose. Everything we do for the Lord is a choice. One of the, the great powers we have that the Lord does not overstep is the fact we have the power of choice. All that we do for the Lord is a choice. All that we do for ourselves is a choice. Bless you, Lord. Ephesians 1, 4, 4 says, out of the Amplified, even in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for his self as his own. I don't know about you, but that absolutely blows me away. My first question is, who am I? Who am I that you would lay hold of me, God? What did you see? Maybe not much, or but a potential for much within our life. 
Bless it, Jesus. I'm thankful that the Lord laid hold of me early. I was six years old. Grew up in a pastor's house, pastor's home. So all the good, bad, and ugly of that, being a pastor. And then when the Lord tapped right on, I, I said, I'm afraid it's us. And she said, so am I. Now see, the thing that Clark was right, you know, we're together for maybe a couple hours Sunday morning. But the burden we carry goes all week long. We're holding you up throughout the week. We're, we're, we're there when we celebrate things. We're there when it's not so much a celebration. And please hear me. I'm not saying for me. What I'm saying is that's the call. And that's what we willingly accept and rejoice in it in all reality. Because I'm thankful that I'm able to do what the Lord has called me to do. Make any sense? And the reality is we all have a calling of the Lord on our lives. Do you know what that is? Have you, ex have you said yes to that calling? You can go through your whole life and never say yes to that. And be a quote-unquote good Christian, but falling short of his glory that he wanted to manifest through you because of what he purposed for you to do. Blessed be his name. Oh, by the way, we would do it all over again. Blessed be his name. Matthew, uh, and this, this uh, term, cast into outer darkness, is found again uh, two more times in the book of Matthew. Verse 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. But the Son, it is the word, Greek word, huos. That is a full-grown, the Greek word for full-grown, mature son. Not a child. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in, into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Benson's Word Studies tells us that um, the picture is of an illuminated banquet uh, chamber outside of which is thick darkness of night. So you've got to remember that the, the time of they were, the Lord Jesus was talking at, there were no street lights. The only light you had is the lantern you carried or in, in the house, it would be a candles or whatever. 
the banqueting hall would be lit, and this young man was thrown out into the darkness of night. And the picture really is of the fact that the weeping gnashing of teeth is because of if I'd applied myself, if I'd done what I was supposed to, I would have been in instead of out. Well, and this was a son. Someone that was walking with the Lord in some measure. We're not, it's not, sometimes that's interpreted as being hell. That's not what it's saying. It's just out of his immediate presence, his immediate glory, being outside, Revelation 22 says, outside the city, not in his, not in the city, not in the throne, not, not in, you know, not before him, in his great radiance, but outside, there's light, but it's lesser light. Does that, can that make, does that make any sense to anybody? God has a purpose for us, and his desire is, you see in Revelation 5, when some of the people that were before the throne and those overcomers that were in the throne, rejoicing with him. And I think the weeping and gnashing of teeth is because of, I could have been there, and I chose not to. My own thing, my own frailties that I allowed to be over, supersede the grace and the um, greatness of God, I just said, I don't want to pay the price for that. Not eternally lost, but just away from his glory. Yes, outside the city is still as it were, magnificent because it's on a new heaven and a new earth. But we fall, have fallen short of his purpose for us, falling short of his call, falling short of what he saw in us that he wanted us to become. Blessed be his name. Matthew 25, 30, he said, <clears throat> the parable of the talents. This is the one, he's speaking of the one who had taken his talent <clears throat> and hidden it in the ground. We look at that, and we may be looking at that in uh, weeks to, to come. But he gave each of those servants a talent, a gift of great wealth according to their several ability. The five gained five. The three gained three. The one hit it in the ground. And his excuse was, 
I knew you were austere. I knew you were a hard man. I knew you expected a whole lot. And I was afraid. Hmm. There's the biggest reason we don't do things for the Lord is we were afraid. What would people think? My question is, what would he think? That's I'm more worried from Dan about what he thinks than I what man thinks. Well, my God. And he says, said, cast this unprofitable servant, and it's a bond servant. Remember what the bond servant was? They took and bored a hole in his ear, saying, I love my master. I want to serve him the rest of my life. I have relationship with him. I've given my life to him. But was afraid. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. And there's always that, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One of our greatest, well, I won't speak for you, but one of my greatest emotions is regret. I could have, I should have, and didn't. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And there are times when there's only one moment that that can happen. And you keep looking back and saying, if I would only have... Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let there not be any regret in the things of God. Because the reality is this, that whatever he's called you to do, he's already graced you to do it. And the only thing that's going to hold you back from it is fear. I don't know about the rest of you control freaks, but I always know want to know. I want to know where I'm going and what is going to happen when I get there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? At least I admit it. Some of you won't even admit it. But God's purpose for us. Again, I go back. Maybe I'm just nostalgic because my better half's not here to keep me straight. But um, it's not something we took on lightly. Because when Brother Leitner asks us in that second elders meeting about what, about who wanted to be the pastor, he started on the man to my left and went all the way around the room, six other men, and then he came to me and said, what about you, Chuck? And it wasn't a whim. I don't know how to explain it, but just say 
And I, I felt it. It's kind of like the hand of God took hold of my heart and said, Will you submit to what I want? Can you understand that? I had a choice to say no. You know, I was had a good job and so forth. All those things. But I knew I really didn't have a choice. Does that make any sense? I had to say, yes, Lord. The call of the Lord may not be, be that dramatic for you. But he, what he's waiting for is a yes, Lord. Your servant hears, yes, Lord. Let's continue. Oh, Matthew chapter 5. As one of my mentors called it, this is the Sermon on the Mount is Kingdom 101. And we're just going to look at a few verses. Don't tell them. Because I don't want to try to tackle the whole thing because we've missed dinner and supper. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love the way the Phillips translation says, How happy are those who know their need for God. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Do you have any, do you know how much you need him? Where God says we're blessed if we know that. Know our need for God. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, the gentleness of spirit, humble, mild, free from retaliation. Oh, God. For they shall inherit the earth. Free from retaliation. Are we still looking to get even with something or someone? That's not meekness. Gentleness. Well, Pastor Chuck, I'm not going to let people run over me. Well, it depends on who you want to to defend you. Do you want you to defend you or do you want the Lord to defend you? Last time I checked, he does a whole lot better job of defending us than we do. And I know what I'm talking about. Blessed are the meek. Hmm. For they shall inherit the earth. He's talking about the new heaven and new earth. Where the lion lays down by the lamb. And the children can play on the hole of the lamb, my poisonous snake. I 
think of my two young, well, great and grandson being able to play on the ground and so forth, or just play outside and they have to worry about anything. Maybe I'm just being too simplistic. But each time I hold those boys, I thank the Lord for the calling on their life and what they'll do for his kingdom. I speak it over them. You can speak those things over your children, your grandchildren. Because what we speak in the name of the Lord has ultimate power. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Uh, Watchman Nee says, The pure heart has to do with the removal of all things, clean and unclean. So there's no, nothing competing, no competing interest apart from God. You know all those good things you have in your heart you want to do? They may or may not line up with God wa what God wants to do in your life. Uh, I keep on referring to things, but Rydell said, you fooled me. I've told you this before. I married an architect and you became a pastor. An architect's a good thing. The Lord had a better thing. I had to lay it down. I spent five years getting that degree. I was invested in it. Little did I know that Paul talks about a building and a, and a the word there is architectal. The builder, the designer. Anyway, I'm just trying to get you to see that there's things beyond what we see now. The Lord always sees them. And when he starts saying, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I, I feel he owe you. Well, except he asked for agape. Then finally, after three times, the Lord says, Do you filio me? He met him where he was able to be. He wasn't, at the beginning, able to lay aside everything for God. But he did. He did. So I'm glad the Lord 
even though he has this level for us, he meets us at this one. Knowing that if we will continue to say yes to him, we will come to where he purposed and where he is. Thank you, Lord God. Now I've got to get on here. Verse 20. For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will no, no means enter the kingdom of heaven. These were the religious leaders. What else does he say about them? Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all unclean uncleanness. He's not looking for careful how I say it, I guess. He's not looking for us to be religious. He's looking for us to be Christ-like. Two totally different things. Because the Pharisees and scribes knew all the law. They, they touted themselves in keeping the law. But they rebuked Jesus for he, healing the man with a withered hand on, on a Sabbath day. Healing the blind on a Sabbath day. Don't you know you're going against the Sabbath? Really? Okay. I'll, I'll wait for the. I'll, I'll let that man with the withered hand uh, stay in that misery for another day, so I won't break any law. Now, Jesus, help us. Our problem is we have, we have so many doctrinal statements and so many you know, creeds and so forth, and all we need is this. Many doctrinal creeds and so forth limit. They were good at the time they were said, maybe, but last time I checked, the Lord is a continuum. He keeps moving on beyond what we thought was good at that point, what our revelation was at that point. He keeps moving. And unless we move with him, that we'll be stuck back here in our limited revelation of him and not have any idea what he's actually doing over there. I don't know about you, but every time God reveals himself in another measure, I just stand in awe. I say, oh, my God. And I don't think I'm unique in that respect. Let's continue here. Let's not our righteousness be that which is putrid. Our self-righteousness. Let's continue. John chapter 3.
the story of Nicodemus. Speaking of a Pharisee, but he knew he was lacking something. He could see what his fellow Pharisees had and but see the life and the witness that Jesus carried. That took a lot of courage. Well, he did come at night, so no one would know that. But still took courage because if they found out, he would be cast out of the synagogue. Remember I told you that when you're cast out of the synagogue, that not only affects you religiously, but economically, because no one will do any business with you. You can't buy or sell anything because you're cursed. Because you're not being holy. Like we are holy. Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner over here. I pray and tell you how great I am. The sinners, God heard the sinner's prayer, ignored the Pharisee's prayer. Because he was self-exalting. That one was exalting the Lord. I need you, Lord. Blessed be his name. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless you be born again, or really the Greek is born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Our salvation is a free gift from the Lord Jesus. It cannot be earned by our works, our, uh, our good, our works are our good, we appear to be, or how good we appear to be. But it was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus, our Savior. It's not of righteousness that we have done. Ephesians 2, 8, it says, By grace have you been, uh, well, excuse me, let me read the rest of this, I'm sorry. Dropping down to verse 5. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Now some theologians say that when he's talking about being born again was the natural birth because of water. No. Because that verse I just said, that was born of flesh is flesh. When you're born naturally, you're born of flesh. So he must have been talking about something different here. He's born of, born of water, and water is a baptism, and, gift of the, and the, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. And it's beyond. See, if you're born again or born from above, you can see that there is a kingdom. There's a, there's a God realm where he rules. But until you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter it. That's not some theological you know, twisting of some. Jesus said that. And I think he knew what he was talking about. I just assume that. Maybe I'm assuming too much, but I think he knew what he was talking about. 
Ephesians 2.8. For grace, by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Romans 3.14. Put ye on and, and duo. We looked at that last week. It says, sink into the clothing. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Ephesians 4.24. 4, Again, put on, same word, in duo. The new man which is created according to God in true, true righteousness and holiness. I think he's trying to tell us something. Our wedding garment, if you will, is righteousness and holiness. It's the, remember I said that the king provided it? Hmm. What kind of garment did he provide? Righteousness and holiness. And the man refused to put it on. Lord, help us. It is our responsibility to be clothed with his righteousness. One more verse, and I'm, oh, a couple more verses, and we're done. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 27. And when Jesus departed hence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David... That term is the term reserved for the Messiah. So what were they doing? These blind men that could not see naturally saw spiritually that that's the Messiah. Hmm. Their spiritual vision was 2020. Bless you, Jesus. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28, when he had come into the house, the blind men came, uh, came uh, to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Uh, yea, Lord. And he touched uh, he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that you tell no man. Right. But, but they went out and departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. When the Lord Jesus does a miracle for you, that'd be another miracle for you not to tell anybody. <laughs> and probably the greater one. Because when God moves in our lives, we want to tell anything that's moving. And well, we should. But I want to back up to this one phrase. It says, according to your faith, be it unto you. The message says it this way, and I love the way it says it. Become what you believe. Let it sink into you. Become what you believe. Believe. What are you believing God for? Become that. Are you, do you think I can heal your eyes? Yes, Lord. 
Is there anything too hard for him? What's in your life right now that you need to believe so you can become it? My God. By the way, ask largely. Ask largely. I mean, if you don't anything, remember anything else, become what you believe. And you can back it up to believe and you'll become what you believe. You have his word on it. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, we've got to come to the point where we know he's the Lord God Almighty or he's not. Is there anything too hard for him? We say, no, except what's in my life. Well, In the back dark recesses of in our life, is there something that, that Lord, we lip service it, but Lord, I just really don't know if you can do that. And that's why you have to come released from it. And I'm talking to myself too. Like David, search me. See if there be any lawless way any wicked way. Anything we're hanging on to that's not of him is a wicked way. That's being pretty hard. But that's, I think I can find that in the word. It's our choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's stand, please.